I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your host, Amrit Sandhu, and good day, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for tuning in. And I'm uh, I'm beyond words. I'm super pumped, super excited. I have the immense pleasure, nay, actually the honor to have here today just the esteemed, esteemed Natalie Hendricks today on the podcast. Welcome. Hi, Amrit. Great to be here. Thank you. Such a pleasure to have you here. Such a pleasure to have you here. Um, I'm quickly going to run you all through this Nat's background and why she's here. Um, so bear with me. Tune in for just a moment. Um, Nat's an accredited trainer with a global organization. She's a global leader in mindfulness-based leadership training. Um, she has continued to access the latest. Neuro- she has continued access to the latest neuroscience research on ongoing mindfulness with renowned scholars such as Alan Wallace. Uh, a student of the Dalai Lamas, and she has a solid, solid, solid mindfulness practice with over 600 hours of training on silent retreats in the last 12 years. Um, I can totally attest for this because it's her mindfulness practice that gave birth to mine, which started about four odd years ago, and it's completely revolutionized my life. Um, Nat was born in Brazil and calls Australia home. This happened in about 2006. Um, she's had a very diverse background, which is why she's an ideal candidate to be here today. Um, she's had a diverse background as an IT consultant and then later as a yoga instructor, an Ayurveda lifestyle consultant, a Swedish masseur and a corporate mindfulness trainer. And all this has taken roots over many, many years. Um, she had a quite a unique experience growing up in Copacabana, such a beautiful place. If you haven't been, Brazil is amazing. Um, Copacabana is a famous beach in Rio. Um, she grew up in a middle-class family, attending private school during the week and visiting relatives in the favelas, which are the slums uh, nearby on the weekends. At the age of 17, a um, bit of sadness hit her and she lost her, her father, who was Belgium. Um, she lost him to cancer um, and this prompted her to become a, a spiritual slash truth seeker. Um, and I guess at this point she adopted personal development as a coping strategy, which contributed to her emotional maturity at such an early age. 
raised as a Christian. She's a fan of St. Francis of Assisi and has studied the Greek, German and Buddhist philosophies. She has a massive appreciation for the Hindu mythology and symbolism. <laughs> um, she's deeply passionate about Kirtan and the devotional path of yoga. Um, driven by the job opportunities in a developing country, she pursued a career in IT in Australia and um, she humbly says that she did quite well. She did very well. <laughs> um, early in her career, Nat worked for a global organisation such as IBM, Ernst & Young and Accenture. Um, she's travelled and worked in Brazil, the United States, India, New Zealand and obviously Australia. Um, and it was in about 2003, due to the competitive and high-pressure environment, that she embraced yoga, uh, mindfulness and other strategies to help manage the anxiety and high levels of stress. And in 2010, after a few promotions and nearly experiencing a total burnout, Nat decided to follow her calling. She started a gradual transition from the IT industry into wellness. The next five years, she found herself diverted to a true long-term passion, which is all about learning ancient wisdom. She then qualified as a yoga instructor, an Ayurveda lifestyle consultant, a holistic health coach, a Swedish masseur, and a corporate mindfulness trainer. Practicing these modalities for a few years in a part-time capacity while she was bridging, she finally decided to take a leap of faith. She embarked on a sabbatical and traveled the world to refine her skills even further. She attended the Ayurveda conference and training in India in Kerala with global authorities such as Robert Sovoboda and Claudia Welsh. She spent seven months in India volunteering with Amma, the amazing Amma, the head of the Embracing the World organization, which is an NGO consultative, which has an NGO consultative status to the United Nations. She also took the opportunity in her sabbatical to do the Camino de Santiago, which is an 800 kilometer walk from France to Spain, <laughs> which was massively a thing for her to get done because it was on her bucket list. Nat has moved back to Melbourne in July 2016, and since then she's been delivering several mindfulness workshops to organisations such as Confectionery Mars, um, Energy for AGL, Bendigo Bank, government organisations like ASIC. Nat is eager to share her knowledge and experience in mindfulness with leaders who are interested in improving their emotional intelligence and helping them to be less reactive, more productive, so fundamentally that they have more energy to live their life and enjoy their life. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's a huge bio, hey? And it you did is a so well. So you welcome to have a break now. And, <laughs> and I'll get talking. You're just entertaining the audience. So you can have a little break. But awesome. um, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. I think it's, um, I think it's a, a, a testament to how much you're doing as well, though. Mm, yeah, like how much you're taking on. And mm. also, um, it's, yeah. Um, and by it's, the way, this was the first time that I heard someone reading out and it's like, wow, that's me. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yourself mm. on a, on mm. a, in between the lines sort mm. of thing. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I, I noticed a couple of things just firstly about how much you're doing, but also just the, the, like when you did share your bio with me, how much, um, how meticulous you are in terms of sort of like sharing authentically who you are into mm. a space, you know? Um, and for me, that authenticity has been something that, you know, from day dot has, um, has drawn both myself and my partner to you. So for those tuning in, um, my journey with Nat started, I'd say, easily three to four years ago. Um, Nat at the time was working for AGL um, and I was a, current, a student at that time, an engineering student, and my partner was a dentist. Um, 
we all lived in the city, or I lived in the city, mm-hmm. Nat lived in Port Melbourne, and we sort of met together because Nat was the yoga teacher at Fitness First, <laughs> um, which is funny now that we sit here and talk about it because uh, Nat's vibe is quite bold, quite strong, and Fitness First can be quite clinical, if anyone knows anything about Fitness First and those uh, day gyms. Um, and we met Nat and we just absolutely got hooked to her yoga classes. Just the energy brought that she brought to the classes, the vibe that she brought was uh, just phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, I guess growing up as Indian, I personally always had this sort of spiritual bent, um, but actually embodying that spiritual bent and working with that in a day-to-day and letting that sort of drive um, my, I guess you would call it your sadhana. Mm. Um, For those tuning in, sadhana is a daily spiritual practice um, and it's actually considered to be the foundation of all spiritual endeavor. Um, It basically reflects that you are your own spiritual effort. Um, and it's for most spiritual practices it's the main tool you use to work on yourself to achieve the purpose of your life and um, and in that light it for me it was fundamental that Nat was always going to be the first podcastee just because she triggered such a such a fundamental shift in my own life um, to embrace um, wholeheartedly day-to-day spirituality and let that infuse into my life and let that actually enrich my life in such a profound way. So I take this opportunity to express my highest gratitude. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. But yeah, what a journey you've been on, huh? Like so much that you've come from and so much where you're headed to. And the same with you, Emmerich, because when I look back, I know when we met and Mm. You know all the progress all the things you've been doing the last you know you've been the fast lane <laughs> i look at you and go like wow i'm so proud and i think i was just one little piece of the puzzle you know um you and kate have been a massive massive journey as well the last couple of years yeah yeah it's been beautiful um yeah it, it does feel like the fast but I've, I've been really blessed to have mentors such as yourself mm. along the way um something that uh recently has been coming up especially even in you know starting a podcast like this um just you know firstly just uh, like critical moments i guess catalysts sort of uh, vibe to how potent you've been in my life um just initially you know obviously with the mindfulness like now i'm uh, this year completing my meditation training to become a meditation teacher you know it was something that i worked with once i struggled with depression but i really dove into it um and started giving it everything because I could see that, you know, people are doing yoga teacher training, people are really committing to these alternate lifestyle opportunities as a supplement to what they're already doing. Um, and I will never forget, you know, Port Melbourne, we were, you took me through my first yoga nidra practice, which was just this amazing <laughs> meditation, yeah, mm. which you still vouch for today. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's been really, really this amazing, amazing journey. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, curious that I think like you said you know we're both doing a lot Um, where do you think that that drive for doing so many different things comes from like why are we taking on so much (laughs) and actually when you're reading the qualifications whatever it was in the bios like seriously you know um, I think answering your quite short answer is where it's coming from uh, doing so much I think it's coming from the ego Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, in some stage, I think just before my sabbatical, I realized that um, in my attempt to get enough courage to take the leap of faith and let go of my IT career, which I'm so grateful and 
really allow me to come to Australia as a permanent resident and work with amazing organizations and learn so much. How long did you do that for? Um, 15 years in consulting. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. yeah, so good, yeah, half in Brazil, half in Australia, yeah. Mm -hmm. So although I'm very grateful for all of that, um, in some stage I was like, yeah, I'm ready to let it go and I'm ready to really fully dedicate my life to the well-being industry and, and well-being career. But there was not enough courage and uh, a lot of self-doubt. You know, do I have enough skills? So, mm. in fact, when I when I did the yoga teacher training, it was really to deepen my own practice, which is a classic, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then right, I think I mentioned to you the other day, uh, right after finishing the the last retreat of the yoga teacher training in Byron Bay, I finished the retreat on a Sunday and on a Wednesday I was made redundant for the first time ever in my life. Yeah, you know? right. And I went like, is this a sign? Yeah, I was what about to say, is this something poetic? <laughs> is this you what's know? Going on? Yeah, this is kind of, yeah, right. And then I went from, ah, yoga was, was to deepen my own practice to uh -huh. be invited by the, you know, a New South Wales champion from Fitness First to run a class. And uh -huh. I was like, okay, maybe I'll give it a go, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then after the yoga teacher training, um, I realized, well, yeah, that's all cool, you know, teaching yoga, but I cannot really make a living out of it. So sure. uh, let me learn Ayurveda that I've been passionate for so many years. Which is a beautiful yeah, science, yeah, yeah. amazing science. So Ayurveda is, do you want to share what Ayurveda is? <laughs> yeah, my simple definition of Ayurveda, I say that is the uh, sister science of yoga. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, one of the body of knowledge from um from the Vedas, yeah. yeah. So and so, so the Vedas is this ancient body of knowledge. You, nowadays we'd call it science. Back then they called it wisdom. Um, that gave birth to both, like that houses, if you will, yoga, Ayurveda, amongst mm. many other things mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, so it's a holistic approach to health. Um, and in some ways, kind of similar to um, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, from mm -hmm. the, the, the fact that... Um, it's based on the five elements uh -huh. and it's all the holistic approach to health and includes a lot of lifestyle uh, guidelines and alignment with the seasons and all mm -hmm. the five elements and so, so what on. What are the five elements for everyone? Sorry, the, the five, five elements. elements yeah, so in Ayurveda, uh, we have three um, same elements as TCM, so mm -hmm. fire, water and earth. Mm -hmm. Um, and we also have air and ether, mm -hmm. and in Chinese medicine they have wood and metal instead of air and ether. Yeah, yeah so slightly different. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so doing the teacher train, the yoga teacher training, you realize, well, no, that's not enough. If I want to make a living, so mm -hmm. let me study Ayurveda, which I'm so passionate anyway. And then I got my qualification Ayurveda with um, Dr. Rama Prasad, who mm -hmm. is. Um, a doctor from Kerala mm -hmm. and being in Australia for more than 10 years so very very credible very renowned across yeah. Australia yeah and after that I read a training I'm like well is this enough oh. <laughs> and then I did a weekend course at um, ACM the Australian College of Massage just for fun and after I loved so much especially the relaxation Swedish massage and mm -hmm. I'm like Oh, maybe I should do a diploma massage and then I did yeah because you said this interesting thing that once you took on massage because normally when someone massages someone they get tired but you got really energized yes, yeah <laughs> yes and these were the signs I was like maybe I'm designed for this stuff really because even with yoga you know I I would finish my working day at AGL at Spencer Street and then would 
head to fitness first you know once a week and change my gear so from my corporate you now gear to yes. my yoga teacher so i felt like a little bit of superwoman getting to the, you know, the fitting room getting in and getting out like, so you're putting on your cape when you're going into yoga right <laughs> yeah. and then some in some I, I honestly some days i was like wow i'm so tired and i had a big massive day meetings after meetings back to back meetings all day and I, how can i teach yoga now and I would teach, and tada! By the end of the class, I was super energized, invigorated. Yes, completely. And the same with with massage. So, as you remember, you know, the weekend I did the introduction course. The instructor said, "Hey, some of you will feel quite tired, so take it easy, you uh-huh. know." Um, especially because we have another big day tomorrow. And she said, "But others might feel quite, you know, reinvigorated and." Mm and uh pumped and i got home and i just cleaned out my balcony i cleaned out my bathroom i had a massive weekend i cleaned up the whole apartment i'm like what's going on and i thought well i belong to the second group so um still the same you know um yeah whenever i give someone a massage i feel really feel really good after because for me it's mindfulness in action that's what Mm -hmm. i'm doing you know i'm really aligning with my breath um and um yeah it's like um meditating while giving massage and another interesting fact with with body work is um when i was doing my hours um during the the diploma i massage most of my friends you know to mm-hmm. just to get the hours going in the practice and um when a friend of mine she asked me to massage her partner and i was like oh i don't really want to do this <laughs> awkward, but i love doing yeah. and uh paul and he said Matt. I love I love your touch and massage, but what I liked really was the Reiki you did. And I was like, excuse me? He's like, oh, yeah, you did the Reiki in between. I was like, no, I haven't done any Reiki. I don't, mm, never, I don't have any Reiki training. I, yeah. I said like, no, no, yeah, yeah. Between like body part, the body part, you were stopping and I could tell that you like breathing and, and doing something. I was like, no, I was just catching my breath and uh-huh. just, you know, preparing for the next part of the body. and. I was like, oh, I felt that it was like a Reiki thing. Yeah, yeah right. Mm. So there's a lot that's just come out of that that I know the story still goes further. Mm. But um, just, a, just a few things. So I think that has a lot to say for just, would you say, awareness and attention, just in that space. Like energetically, you're still holding attention. And so perhaps it's that attention that the other person experiences. The presence, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. And I think that links back to neural neurons, right? The fact that um, once you align with your breath and in peace and mindful and present mm-hmm. uh that it's it's contagious yeah as kindness is contagious and and inner peace and presence is contagious yeah mm. um so a few things <laughs> yeah I, I, I just, uh, so much to, yeah no, i'm taking us on a tangent but um obviously when you like i remember you saying this about the massage as well clearly because it was the massage and then there's been again the ayurveda and the and there's still more that we want to explore but um with the massage, something key that I remember you saying was there was a hang-up, you know, about the idea that, you know, obviously, it probably not so much egocentric, but, you know, like socially influenced. Um, you know, you're not, you've organized teams and managed teams at like a global organization that facilitates energy for, you know, the whole country. Um, and then, you know, now just a humble masseuse, mm, you know, and it's like this yeah. idea that, wait 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 what like <laughs> that the masseuse <laughs> it's yeah, just like this, yeah. you know like there's even though mm. for me 
the whole journey is humility. Mm, you know, mm. for me, humility is a cornerstone, cornerstone, mm. fundamental value. Mm. Um, and I know it is for you as well, mm. you know. Um, but then to sort of realize that even then you find yourself sort of caught out, which is like, oh, mm. I'm not entirely comfortable being just a masseuse. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's this weird sort of space, mm. right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's spot on. So I think I had that insight. Um, so just tiny, tiny, tiny little bracket. So yep. I think it was 2010, I did a um, New Year's retreat at Mangrove Ashram. Uh-huh. And I have very clear insight on what was my mission, yep. which in short, may sound a bit cliche and fluffy, but was to bring health, peace, um, health and peace to myself and to others. Simple, short mm-hmm. and sweet. <laughs> um, Simple is usually best. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I wrote that down. I had on, on my wall um, in my bedroom uh, as, a, as a reminder of um, why my sadhana is so important because I really want to fulfill that mission. And then five years later, in uh, when I did my Vipassana in India, when I turned 40, I did my I had my 40th birthday in a Vipassana center in Mumbai. Awesome. Which is like the, <laughs> is the main actually uh, Goenka's uh, Vipassana, where he passed away. So Goenka being the founder of um, the, the main Vipassana centers around the world. Should so I take a quick second to open up a small bracket yes, in the bracket totally. to explain what Vipassana is? Well, okay. So Vipassana, simply put is the very um and of course i'm biased but i would say that is a very authentic um meditation practice that was um, taught by the buddha siddhartha gautama and it was um held in uh, Buhman, uh for many many years um and it was brought back to the um, to the west uh through goenkaji Mm-hmm. Uh, we could open a, a whole massive bracket, but I, I think just for the sake of time, because <laughs> of time. Yeah. Um, but Goenkaji, very wealthy businessman in Burma, uh, experienced migraines very early age, travel around the world, Japan, Switzerland, tried to cure his migraine, um, was told about Vipassana, which sorted his um, um, condition. And then he started to spread very, very organically, organically, very slowly, Vipassana to locals, and then just started to spread out. And now he has, I don't know how many centers, probably good 30, 50 centers around the world, around the world teaching yeah. Vipassana in 10 so days retreats. Yeah. 10 day retreats of predominantly silence? Yes, thank you. So in terms of the technique, um, yes, they are fully silent uh, retreats, no eye contact. Um, and... Um, yeah, the routine going from waking up at 4 or 5 a.m., um, meditating probably eight hours a day mm-hmm. and uh, wrapping up the day with a little bit of um, satsang um, around eight at night. But the technique itself, um, it has two main components. The first one being anapana or shamata, which is stub, um technique based on the tension on the breath. Mm-hmm. for stabilization of the mind sure. that's part one and part two uh is the body scan mm-hmm. uh, which is the insight uh, meditation yeah so it's interesting because um something so um i guess uh, this philosophy from the buddha which then goenka has gone and taken and spread all over the world and is impacting people on this spiritual path that are looking for vipassana to sort of meditate into themselves um 
this focus on the breath um, is not just limited to the spiritual aspect. And I bring this in because I struggled with depression for five years. And on the back of that, when I finally went and acknowledged that something was wrong, I went and sought out help. And I'll never forget this, this woman that was um, my, I guess, consultant at the time that was catering to, I guess, who was my psychiatrist or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she said, oh, firstly, she said, you're going to be fine. And that was, instead of it being like, oh, it's going to be fine. It was like, I was enraged, you know, I was like, how do you know I'm going to be fine? I've been struggling for so long. And then she, on the back of that, gave me this five-step breathing technique, which was just literally count your breath up to five, back down from five, up to five, back down to five. And that had just infuriated me. I was just like, I've been struggling for five years. Are you kidding me right now? Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to breathe. Like, seriously, give me something tangible to go on, you know? I really wasn't into taking medication, any of that sort of stuff, but I wanted something like, you know, just like maybe chatting about it or something. Something complex, please. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I like, have a complex issue. Yeah, Don't, yeah. Me Don't dismiss five. five years of my life into like a five-second <laughs> breathing technique. And the magic was that this, if it, it totally beyond anything worked. Um, and that was my introduction to my breathing. And then from there gave birth to my mindfulness, which gave birth to meditation. And I think as it goes, um, when you receive so much from something, you invariably end up having to give back mm. because it just fills you up so much that the energy of whatever gave you so much is just pouring out of you up at some point. And so hence why I'm becoming a meditation teacher now. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's that's really like interesting that sci- like it's so because psychiatry is all programmed th- thoroughly through science, mm. and so there's all this ancient wisdom, but then also science, and they're sort oh, of really no. dancing together now. And absolutely, well, have in the last couple of decades, we have literally thousands and thousands of articles proving mm. the benefits of from mindfulness to mental health, physical health, emotional health. That's like that's a no-brainer. That's an, yeah. yeah, completely backed up by science right now just wanted really to close the loop because Please. people listen yeah <laughs> so um you're talking about massage and um naturally being a masseuse mm-hmm. what's going on so in dare to be passionate uh in my 40th birthday i had the same side well my mission is to bring health and peace to myself and to others and then i realized and if this is through mindfulness training in large tier one tier two organization or if it is through coaching individuals or if it is through teaching yoga or swedish massage Mm. it doesn't matter Uh you know the Uh vehicle it doesn't matter and and right there in that day i made a decision that i don't care the outcome i have very 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 clear and i have a total clarity on what's the outcome how it's gonna happen i don't care and i won't let my ego get on the way so if to make a living i need to be a masseuse so be it as mm-hmm. long as i'm bringing health and peace um to others yeah mm. that's really powerful. so that was a decision back then yeah yeah so i don't know if i uh, address maybe your that's point t- on, on the ego and the masseuse yeah, and the perfect. self-perception of yeah that's perfect mm. um and i guess something that I can't avoid whilst talking to you is just how powerful clarity 
really mm. is in that space. You know, like you've just shared that, you know, obviously, like you just shared, like you're doing all these different modalities, but the driving, and I guess this is what I was trying to get to, is the, all the chaos. The There's this clear, mm. clear, clear driving intention, mm. which is you know what you're here mm. to, to do, you know, mm. which is, and obviously that's got plenty of space to breathe and evolve and grow, mm. but it's, you know, it's that peace and harmony and you know really mm. driving that for people um and i i you know again I, I can't stop expressing gratitude because you've helped me so much um but the idea that you know for me working on our val- like you helped me work on values um and just working on what values come to the fore and what don't um you know i got really clear that wisdom is something for me but then also connection which was something i never really pondered that i really valued um, but just you shedding a light on perhaps, you know, just take some time to think about how you're showing up and what's coming up in your life. I realize that connection is a is a cornerstone value of mine. It's, you know, Tony Robbins talks about it as a need, but mm. it's almost, you know, so it's, it's a need and I really, really value it. And uh, that has driven so much clarity. Like, obviously, I've got a philosophy night where people come over, but then also this podcast, you know, it was really clear that, ah, oh, this totally makes sense for me to adopt because... I was totally in my own way. I was like, I don't want to do a podcast. I don't really understand it. Why would I be doing this? Um, and then it was like, I get to have, you know, the potential to have wise, enlightened conversations with people that, you know, I'm really inspired by. Um, and I get to connect really authentically. Mm. And then... Deep level. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that connection value... Is this like, an excuse? <laughs> isn't that amazing? Let's get together and have is, some deep and meaningful conversation. Because I'm recording a podcast, whatever. Yeah. Totally, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the recording is just <laughs> an, a, like, a, like a healthy byproduct, which, you mm. know, I'm hoping, and, and that's the name of the podcast, Inspired Evolution. So like, And hopefully what value to whoever's listening. Totally, yeah. you know, mm. and fundamentally, um, I guess, just in, like the words Inspired Evolution, it... it and, this comes full circle to what I was the next one you've talked about, like being yourself first. Mm, you know, so true. This is something that we don't tune into, but the mm. Inspired Evolution podcast is fundamentally inspiring my evolution. Mm. And I'm hoping to inspire others to evolve because there's just mm. been so much on this journey, you know? Mm. And so that's kind of the space which there's so much, um, I think that... I dare say people need to, but I think it's healthier for people to stop for a moment and realize to prioritize themselves. Mm. But it's it's catchy because obviously I think I can share this from your perspective as well. It's like the ego versus the self and mm. this organic self that you need to look after versus being selfish mm. with the ego. Can mm. we talk about that a little bit? Uh, can we just park the question a sec? I totally. just wanted to add something really tiny that hopefully Please. is connected. I guess... Um, Totally agree, and I put in a very simple way what I usually say is that we need to fill our own jug first so we can serve water to others. No, mm-hmm. so charge our batteries, uh, self love, self compassion, um, have a routine, whatever works for you that nourishes you so you can authentically, honestly, truly give to others, those around you. Because if you're not in a good place, you're gonna not be of service to anyone, right? To your totally. loved ones or anyone. So while I totally believe on that, uh, I guess on the other hand, um, what I learned from and, and learned from teachers and I try to embrace as well is that um, there is also a risk of, uh, inter- especially in terms not not so much in self-nourishing and self-compassion, 
but in terms of personal development there is a tendency sometimes to say well i have so many imperfections i'm not perfect yet so mm. i cannot give i cannot serve and that's bullshit yes yeah so excuse my language but i think that and, and again that's links back to me doing training after training after training qualification mm -hmm. after qualification you go, no i'm not good enough is that i'm not good enough <laughs> in the back you know, in the background yeah and to the point i say no stop it here you put in practice you go serve you're not doing any further qualification anymore so um yeah self-nourishing self-compassion super important but also having the awareness that um we don't need to be perfect to serve you know there's mm -hmm. always something that you know that you can share and there'll be always people that is maybe two steps behind you that your wisdom it's gold already yeah yeah perfectionism is an interesting one because recently i've been talking a lot about this with my with my partner and she, we, we've sort of unpacked the idea that it's it's a very sinister uh, form of self-torture mm. yeah like you keep striving for perfectionism and it's it's a never-ending never-ending yeah. game you and, know and definitely i i believe my belief um is that it comes from the ego yeah it doesn't come from the higher self because mm. the higher self is working already right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so sorry so back to your question around um what was my question it was trying to negotiate I was so engrossed <laughs> in what you were saying that I've totally lost my question. Yeah, I think it was something around... Because um, we were talking about starting with yourself and then giving to others from that space. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was also exploring with you how important clarity is in terms of getting your message across. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, must yeah. not been that important. Oh, good. So I guess, uh, yeah, just on clarity, uh, I think what, yeah, what gives me clarity is really going back to the mindfulness practice and vipassana or massive 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 mm. i think being 10 days in silence with yourself just watching your mind watching your breath it really helps to declutter in um quite intense manner so i, I as you know very well mm. i'm a big champion of mind of uh, vipassana and i recommend to everyone i think you know mm -hmm. ideally um, not being too indoctrinating, but I, <laughs> I try to say <laughs> most of my best friends, you know, please, 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 please do a Vipassana. Because it's, like it's like a yeah. defrag for yeah, your mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so like yeah. defrag, defrag your computer, exactly. And, and then you have clarity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, um, yeah, it's this interesting process, huh, with even meditation and mindfulness, because it's almost like what I've come to realize is that what is your purpose is naturally trying to permeate through your being anyway right um, but it's like there's so much stuff that we've got in the way like so much mind stuff so much clutter so much that we sort of say oh no I should be doing this and I should be doing that and I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to do it don't let what is naturally coming to the surface permeate yes yes yes, yes. and and I think that's the opportunity we have in Vipassana because exactly we in, in Vipassana retreat and other retreats as well silent retreats especially you cutting off all the stimuli so your sense is the talking you know any thoughts you know so you don't read you don't take any books you're not watching anything so intellectually you have less intellectually intellectual stimulation mm. um therefore 
you know, all the noise from the conscious mind starts to quieten. And then you have a space, so the conscious mind starts to, you know, defrag and be not empty, but, you know, reduce the volume of noise. Mm -hmm. And then you have the opportunity for the subconscious to speak to you and to bring to the surface mm -hmm. what actually, what is the message that needs to be brought. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unpack this because I think for a lot of people, it's kind of convoluted even though for someone that's experienced it, like yourself or someone like myself, that it's quite clear that meditation can get, get you clear on your purpose because you're just sort of still when it's like when you're, when you're sitting there still and, you know, like my, one of my favourite meditations is to pretend that I'm an inanimate object. Like I'm in the room and I'm not in the room. What is the room without me here? And just realising that life could so well be like this. You know, what is life mm. without me really being here? It's a really humbling exercise. Mm. And then realising, okay, if I am going to fill this space, how, what is coming through me that wants to fill this space and what is for the highest good of this space, you know? Am I going to arrange it in such a fashion or, you know, am I going to be of some service or what's my purpose? But I think for, other, for people looking from the outside in that haven't experienced meditation, it kind of feels like this convoluted idea that, yeah, I'm going to sit quietly and yet I'm going to be told what I'm meant to do. You know, it's just really weird. People don't really align with that because I've had conversations with people about, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing and I've discussed the clarity that's afforded and how potent for myself even the mindfulness practice has been along with some really helpful tips like the ones that you have helped me with in terms of getting clear on your values. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a bit of a, yeah, it's an interesting sort of, perspective on what meditation is outside of what uh, meditators actually experience it to be mm. um, I often I'm not sure if you've had this but people often share that I, I can't meditate I'm not a meditator mm. you know and my favorite one is um, have you ever stared off into a distance and then <laughs> your friends come up and they're waving your hand in front of your face but you can't like you can't look away from that that moment that you're looking away at and you're just so plugged into that moment, like nothing can distract you, but like you're peripherally aware of absolutely everything. And everyone's like, oh yeah, I get that all the time. And I'm like, your body is naturally coming into a moment of just supreme awareness. And it's just, you're meditating. You know, your body's just going zzzz. But, and that distraction can't distract you. But intentionally going into that space where you're just afforded that amount of attention and clarity and space. And people sort of go, oh, that's not so hard, you know? Or then even just sometimes getting people to breathe and just focus on their breath mm. for like 10 seconds. It's like, welcome to meditation. They're like, oh, is that all I have to do? And I was <laughs> like, it's not that hard, you know? And then you can continue to evolve the practice from there. Um, but there's definitely a lot of um, what is meditation all about and what, like, I can't, I can't meditate, that sort of quote, which must be really interesting because we're going through a phase at the moment like I know perhaps maybe, you know, I wasn't totally around for this, but I know yoga wasn't a massive practice. In every, it wasn't mainstream, you know, it wasn't something that was widely done, you know. It was just something that, it was just an alternative health therapy type sort of thing. It wasn't offered at Fitness First, let's say. Um, and now it's rampant, you know, it's offered at all the gyms, there's classes everywhere, and almost, you know. Mainstream, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, I'd say at least 30 to 50% of the people I know, you know, are, uh, practice yoga and I can feel that meditation and mindfulness is the next 
yoga almost can you feel that absolutely yeah i mean there is one um i love there is a three minutes video from dan harris on on youtube it's um if you google dan harris happy fi he used to be a a news reader from abc and um it's an animation really really fun um short video and he says that um you know in the i think it was in the 50s um yeah it was in the 50s if you go for a run people would would ask you who is chasing you why are you running <laughs> <laughs> you know and that's because <laughs> yeah, what's the point why are you running what the hell yeah um and um something that we share in the corporate mindfulness training that I, that I, I run to to organization is that um when i learned that i was like wow are you serious so a little bit after the revo- the industrial re- industri- industrial revolution um in yeah 50s maybe in some stage uh there was a research conducted by um harvard laboratory where there was one guy one scientist that he had this idea mm. this theory that uh, physical exercise was good for you mm. and everyone crazy else guy. Like crazy idea. crazy guy <laughs> <laughs> and everyone in the, in the, in the community was like what that's insane yeah. And literally, I mean, not long ago, right? Um, and um, and then they put together, actually, yeah, about 100 years ago, actually. And um, they carried on some studies. And ta-da, they realized, yeah, exercise is actually good for your health, emotional, physical well-being, mm-hmm. mental well-being. So the fitness industry, it's not old at all. Mm-hmm. So like 70, 80 years ago, there was not such a thing as a fitness industry. Yeah. Brand new and uh and the same is happening yeah with mental health we realize that um mind training is really important mm. you know our brain as we found out no not no long ago that um it's not like uh, after 25 your brain you know development starts to decline you actually can you know, thanks to neuroplasticity you know the last 20 years or so we actually realize that we can still evolve and develop our brain even mm. when we are, when we are aging so there's mm. a lot of you no know, um neuroscience uh, evidence that um, people in an older age who are mindfulness meditators they actually have more gray matter than younger people who don't practice mindfulness yeah right so plenty 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 of research showing that um yeah yeah i think yeah back to your point i think yeah mindfulness definitely it's it's growing and um so much evidence so i think in 10 20 years things will be looking very different and will be very clear that mind mind training it's essential Mm. yeah mm. obviously that must be really exhilarating for you because now you get to now that it's on this wave of already hitting people that like oh this is really important and it's something that you're so passionate about mm. you obviously get to now facilitate mindfulness training for room, like rooms and rooms and rooms you just got back from sydney you know mm. like just like complete audiences tuning in about mm. mindfulness like i know how much um like we were discussing before, like giving a one-on-one massage and how energized you get, like the energy that you must, you know, embody from having shared something that is you're so passionate about to such a wide variety of people, that mm-hmm. experience must be magical. Yeah, it's great. And I guess um, usually when we're teaching organizations, I mean, our 
our spiel is you know let's increase performance and effectiveness yeah of course of course it's and <laughs> bring creativity and innovation we're and trying uh, to talk to your bottom line here <laughs> it's also the return on investment you know sap yeah. which is the company so I, in my it career i worked with sap products the german you know, leader uh, in um, software and um, they, I went to the Leadership Mindfulness Forum last year in Sydney, and now the SAP have a global mindfulness director, <laughs> Peter yeah, Bolsonaro. Awesome. And he reported um, they're working with Search Inside Yourself, which is the Google solution for mindfulness. And ah, um, Search Inside Yourself. Search Inside Yourself, yeah. That's it was really developed cool. by one of the engineers from Google, yeah. yeah. So um, they're using that tool. So they have a large program worldwide, started with him and another guy in 2013. In uh -huh. only three years, they have a massive footprint in SAP. And now they have 5,000 employees in SAP on the waiting list. Because it's been so successful, people are talking, and yeah. now people really want to attend the program. And they reported 200% of return on investment from the program just by reducing absentees yep. in the company. So, um, yes, but, but back to your point, I guess, the why I enjoy so much in teaching mindfulness in organizations is not because of the impact on performance and stuff. Yeah. It's really the testimonies from, from people saying, you know, week after week, like I had in Bendigo Bank, one of the directors of the, the brain said, my conversations with my teenager son are getting much better. Mm -hmm. Thank you, you know. Yeah. I, I, I'm noticing you know, how I'm more patient with you know my family and yeah. more present at work as well, but it's more the, the, the impact in their personal lives, yeah. yeah. That's what really, um, I think, pay off mm. for me, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm. Mm. Just searching inside yourself, just coming to that sort of line that you just mentioned before, which is, mm. that's, so, that's amazing that that's mm. going on. Um, I guess there's that whole idea about um, a whole other bracket to open up, I guess, is um, the idea that there's innate wisdom and wisdom that, you know, outside. And I think there's a lot to be said and a lot to be discussed, and maybe we can just touch on it briefly, um, about how much we are, I guess, a lot of us, and even myself to this day, you know, look to external things to mm. sort of, you know, satisfy mm. and say, look, this is, you know, this will help or this will, or this is going to be right or, you know, in, in, in its grossest form, in mm. its grossest form, um, yeah. I'm going to get that, that BMW and I'm going to be so satisfied. And then, uh, unfortunately, what happens is you get the BMW and then it's like, oh. Is that what, it? Wait, wait, what, like. Mm. And then what's the next thing? Oh, there's mm. like, I'll get that bigger house. Mm. But, you know, I think more and more people are starting to, there's a minimalist movement that's coming through. There's all these things. But searching within yourself, mm. and, you know, beyond what's externally mm. um, available. Um, really powerful stuff. And I think perhaps because, I guess, do I really want to go there? But I think because more and more, there's becoming more and more of a discrepancy between wealth distribution perhaps even like there are people that are ending up with a lot more in a lot less of a percentage and the general masses are saying oh well we're all just running around doing what for what i think perhaps that is a really potent space where mindfulness is naturally coming into people as well sort of like okay 
I'm not satisfied by all these external things. Um, perhaps searching within is something, and they're more willing to appreciate it or try it or, you know. Mm. Mm. Man, so many things I wanted to comment yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's why I said we touched on it briefly I, or something. Yeah, I'll try to be very succinct and hopefully I won't lose my train of thought. So I guess first thing that you mentioned, our, our innate wisdom, 500% agree, and something that you touched on earlier, but I didn't want to, to go on a tangent, but here we are. Uh, yes, you know, you know, the yogis, all the wisdom is within. The truth, you know, question that you often ask, you know, mm -hmm. I want to know the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Bring me the truth. It's within. And the answer, um, yeah, is within. So, of course, we look for teachers and external answers, but uh, by sitting, we can get the answers because our subconscious know has the answers and it's available there. So that's why I um, value so much silent retreats um, so we can tap into that innate wisdom yeah, mm. that is there. So that's one point. Uh, the constant um, wanting next challenge, next goal. You know, Stephen Covey, he talks about um, make sure you have the the ladder in the right wall when you're climbing the wall uh -huh. that you're not climbing on the ladder yeah, against yeah. the wrong wall you know so clear purpose clear values and otherwise you climb the the ladder and you go like oh really oh. that's a really strong metaphor yeah. yeah it's great and and funnily enough yesterday i met with um well i'm not disclosing his name so it's all right i guess and uh Unlikely, I think he'll listen to the podcast, but we never know. He will. Um, <laughs> um, my favorite um, man, former manager in Accenture, I met him mm. for coffee yesterday in Sydney. And at the time, he was just a senior manager. Now he's a managing director, so a partner in Accenture, you know, six years later after I left. And, um, you know, in Accenture, you, you join as an analyst. Three years later, you're a consultant. Three years later, con senior consultant, manager, senior manager. And... The top of the pyramid, if you like, is mm. the being a partner. And uh, and he made a partner six years ago. Many people don't don't last that long, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I ask him, so how is life as a partner now? You know, yeah, 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 amazing. Yeah. Congratulations and so on. And we were like, Ned, these are old news. And, uh, <laughs> and then over the coffee, you know, tada! Conversation went on the direction that um, it's been twenty one years with the organization. And I feel that I need to do something different. It's different. Mm. I'm looking for more meaning and more purpose. Fire out, yeah. And I was like, oh dear, you know. Um, happy for him, but um, not sad. I guess it's just a, the the realization, and it's just a confirmation mm. of what you're saying. You know, man, you are in a top five consulting companies in the planet. You meet the partner who is like the top of the pyramid. And there is this longing of, uh, you know, for him, he's also, that's why we clicked so much because he's, uh, his father was from Chile. Mm -hmm. So there's this South America yeah, mafia, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. connection. And he has this deep desire to, to bring, to give back to South America somehow. So he started writing blog posts mm -hmm. about identity and perception of South America and Australia because he mm. was born in, in, in here and there's this whole, you know, the perception and culture and he wants to give a different perspective on South America. Anyway, long story short, so he's writing blog posts and, um, and I ask, what, what is holding you back, you know, from, from publishing and sharing this? And, and there is a, the whole, you know, um, story that we could go on, but that's not the point. So I, I think, um, yeah, I agree with you and, and the ego is so skillful in 
you know, distracting us mm -hmm. with, oh no, let's, is the, or is the, the position in the company or is the relationship or is the kids, I know the, the grandkids and now is the, yeah. the retiring or, you know, um, is the um, beach house or whatever it is, is the yeah. holiday overseas and constantly distracting us and just taking us away from the present where mm. the magic happens really where everything and is where, always where life happens actually where everything is always perfect mm. as well right like in mm. the present moment you know it's like this present moment i'm sitting here with you having an enlightened conversation it's mm. you know like i've got good health and you know mm. blessed absolutely blessed and i think you know most people um, especially in the western world people that will be listening to this will find that in their present moment whether they're driving or cooking or cleaning or wherever they're going mm. is um is uh, like their moment is perfectly blessed right now and it's just absolutely yeah the now is where the magic happens mm. everything's perfect in the now i think um this has been this perfect little segue now into sort of highlighting i guess what the message of where we're kind of going with the podcast at the moment as well is um looking for more meaning mm. yeah so like you said this guy has worked for 21 years he's now the partner of a leading global organization mm. one of the one of the biggest global mm. organizations and he's like i'm ready to pull the pin because i'm looking for more meaning mm. um obviously knowing you and your story um obviously i feel like you've left your corporate role as well on the pursuit of fulfilling more meaning um i do obviously I guess this is really what I want to talk about today to sort of help mm. illuminate with others that A, there are other paths, but you know how important it is that fundamentally we're all going to be looking for meaning and how much a role contribution has to pay with it. Mm. Um, we'll talk about service and that sort of stuff as well. Um, but I think where I really want to kickstart is the sabbatical. Mm. Okay. I'm going to do that thing again. Can I just comment totally. on something yeah, else yeah, you yeah, said? Yeah. But please, sabbatical spark it. Please bring me back to sabbatical. Oh, there's <laughs> no way I'm not bringing you back okay. to sabbatical. So just on um, meaning, I want to just share something that, I'm, as you know, it took me a good three, four years before I made a decision of going to sabbatical and before I decided this is it, end of this chapter, end of IT career, and I'm going to really deep dive in wellness so number one, during that transition period, I was, as you know, teaching yoga at the conference room, you mm -hmm. know, in AGL, created the mindfulness club that is still going on. I hand over to a, now a mindfulness champion organization that is still in touch with me. We have a mindfulness club on Yema, so we'll build a community. So my point is, I was doing my best while I was part of the system, mm -hmm. part of that environment to bring a little bit of net Mm -hmm. as she is into that environment and people really appreciate it yeah of course after a while i was like oh, it's not enough i yep. want to do more but uh you know without being pretentious i guess what i want to share with people who are listening is that uh, it doesn't need to be radical it can be gradual of course everyone has their own path um and no one better than yourself to know what works for you but um uh, there are d different ways and uh, and also what i realized after back in 2012 when i was made redundant with ugl and i took a break of three months when i was just teaching yoga after three months i went like wow i think it would be a waste if i don't 
share a little bit of my time, little wisdom with people in the corporate world, mm -hmm. because there are many other teachers, they cannot speak the corporate language yep. and I can, so I can be the bridge. And I end up going back, you know, and join AGO Energy, which was you no know, great culture at the time. And I'm very grateful, uh, moved from Sydney to Melbourne and so on. So my point is, um, we don't need to quit the system. Uh, and, and I would say more than that, actually, people in the system, they need us more than anyone. Uh, I would love to just, you know, move to Kerala, truly, you know, or move yeah. to Ila Grande in Let's Rio. Let's go live in the Himalayas together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, without being over pretentious, people need, uh, people need help in, in, in those environments. Um, so one way is to have, of course, one foot in each canoe, which is not great. Yeah. Um, but also what I'm doing now, partially what I'm doing, you know, teaching mindfulness in organizations, I, I'm still in the system. I'm still in the corporate, corporate world, if you like, with yeah. a very different role. And, and the irony is that I'm now Accenture is one of our clients mm -hmm. yeah. and I might go back to the company yeah. in a very different capacity. Completely different And capacity. I'm so pumped about that. And yeah. I, almost, I get really moved because it's, you know, it's like a little bit of the hero's journey, you know, I yeah. left went around, learned a couple of things, and now I'm bringing back and say, hey guys, this might be helpful. This did help me yep. look into that because it could help you. Yeah. 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 Okay, sorry. I just want to touch on something. Okay. There's, there's so many. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But it's perfect. But yeah, so. Even with the with the mindfulness and the meditation, I think sharing in your own life in a little way what's coming through. Because mm. um, I'm a construction engineer, so I now teach meditation on construction sites, and it's an amazing experience because a lot of these people have never spent some time within themselves. You know, when you my favorite moment is when you bring someone out of a meditation on a construct like in this group, and then it's like, okay, just coming back to the present moment, and it's like, wait, where was I? You know, that, that aha moment where it's like you can feel this uncertainty. It was like, oh, this is the first time I've spent time in myself. and But I'm acutely aware of the fact that having spent so much time on a construction site where, you know, it's it's rough. It's not the it's not um, the most pleasant environment, if you will. You know, there's people that are big, burly, and they're, they're working, they're getting things done. Um, the language is not always, you know, the most pleasant. And uh, I realized that there's... Um, this place where you know me showing up as me which is this avid meditator and sharing that has 
you know, people are totally receptive to it because I c- they can totally relate because I can relate to them. Um, mm. Because, you know, and it's that, and it's very important what you've touched on, I think, which is just allowing yourself to show up, your true self to show up where it can give, and there's so much to contribute from that space in mm. where you already are. But then obviously having one foot in each canoe, eventually you've got to sort of mm. start sailing. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which I guess the word that comes to my mind is integration because many for many, many years I had this uh, w- professional self and I had my private self. Very different. Mm. Not that I didn't have connections at work and so on, but very different. And eventually I went like, no, 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 I want to be one. Yes. Integration. Yes. Yes. And yes. I was like, whatever. So my, my last manager in AGL, he knew all, all my shit. He knew, yeah. that, he knew that I was like going to Amma. Yeah, you I remember know? you said, so Amma came yeah. to Melbourne and, and you were just him, like, I'm not coming in. I'm taking, I'm taking tomorrow morning off, right? I'm coming at lunchtime because I'm going to see this guru who has a amazing NGO amazing projects around the world yeah. and I want to see her he was like all right go yeah. So, um, yeah so they knew all my stuff yeah. yeah so I think it's such a blessing not to have to be like you know changing heads and be yourself this, this I think is the ultimate um yeah blessing if you can to be yourself at well, work. I think that's, that's and I struggled with that for many years I think yeah. that's that's mm. a massive message in that as well which is fundamentally it's no longer the nat or the amrit that is, you know, the the home nat and the friendship nat and the corporate nat and the gym nat and the yoga nat. It's that's then that's where these all these incongruities, all these inconsistencies, mm. we get torn and we're, we're basically fragmented. And that's where you use the word integration. I think for me, that has been this cornerstone of my health practice, which you've been a massive catalyst on. Is no, 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 no. There's one amrit. You know, there's one innate, true Amrit, and how much more can he just show up as himself in every avenue that he pursues? And for me, when you start operating from that place, there's so much, it's so much more grounded, so much stronger that you can actually, like we said, you know, fill up your own cup first, become Mm -hmm. aware of what it is that you are and what you're giving, and then share from that place. But even, you know, the, the Amrit that goes and does yoga, you know, he brings that Amrit back into the, the, the workplace and says, you know what, I love yoga. Working on a construction site, people are like, you what? And I was like, mate, I love yoga. And they're just like, yeah, right. And then not like getting even some people smirking or frowning upon that for a little bit. And then a couple of weeks later, someone's pulling you aside and going, oh, I went to my first Pilates class. You know what I mean? And it's just like, how was it, mate? And it was like, it was amazing, you know? And then slowly allowing that to sort of, contaminate with good vibes yeah exactly um but yeah showing up more and more yourself in that fundamentally that you yeah just that the, the power of that message that you're not someone else somewhere else and you're not mm. someone else somewhere else mm. you know you are just that one being authentic yeah you know mm. and i think that's where your values can help a lot your inner practice can help a lot mm. get clarity on why you're doing what you're mm. doing so that you can share from that organic, authentic place and, again and again. And be happy because, you know, you know, I guess one a good simple definition I guess of being happy and content. Um and I prefer the word content and happy, but that's another story. Um it's um, I don't think it's another story. I think it's a really <laughs> important story. Okay, side bracket. But uh, about being content is that when you are living aligned with your values, you know, mm-hmm. if you're living congruently with your values, then you are content, you are mm-hmm. happy. But um 
yeah, if you cannot do that, you know, in every scenario, in, in most environments you are, then you are just um, disrespecting yeah, what's important for you. Yeah. Mm. Of course, we need to adjust behaviors. We're not saying that, you know, uh, that you don't need to adjust behaviors in different environments, but um, still be loyal to, to, to your values. Yeah. Contentment's an interesting one because contentment for me is, is synonymous with fulfillment. Mm. Yeah. And for me, contentment and meaning and fulfillment, these three are very closely, mm. I guess, mm. living in neighboring houses. Mm. Um, and recently, just recently, actually, very recently, I just want to share this is that I started letting go of happiness mm. for fulfillment. Mm. Um, and the reason I'm doing this is because for me, I'm engineering mindset, I'm a problem solver. So for me, it's always problem, problem, solve, solve. And I realized that happiness is often on the back of a solution. Yeah. But I've found that perhaps what's occurring is that I may readily look for problems so that I may experience solutions to experience happiness. Mm. Wow. So in, in order for me to find happiness, I need to now discover problems to solve to find happiness. So you get a, okay, so what I'm, I'm, what I'm hearing is that you get a kick from fixing, which is pretty much as a, yeah. as a consultant, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm to say they have the problem solving mentality or that not mentality, that pattern, that ability. We have neural pathways really good in solving yeah. problems. Yeah, yeah. And when we do, we go get a, that dopamine kick. And mm. uh, so we go like, I want another dopamine kick. Yeah. So give me another problem yeah. because give I'm going to find challenge. a solution. I love challenges. Give me tick. a challenge, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. And so beyond the challenge, mm. the challenge is there and it's got its own rhythm with the solution and the happiness dyad, triad, whatever's going on there. But fulfillment mm. beyond that, just being fulfilled. And like you said, the present moment now has mm. so much contentment so mm. much film fulfillment so much meaning already imbued into everything mm. yeah i guess contentment for me uh it's closely related to equanimity right equanimity mm. being being is, is that contentment from within being cool and happy content regardless of what's happening in the external world and of course i haven't mastered that quality but it's something that i cultivate sure. and i i value very much uh, because you know life is full of up and downs we don't have totally. control of what's happening outside us but we have the control on how we respond to events all the time um so when i say content versus happiness i guess um what i'm referring to is um maybe to illustrate there is this definition that i came across a couple of years ago um of uh hedonic i think that's a pronunciation hedonic happiness and eldamonic happiness where um hedonic help happiness is the happiness that comes from the five senses you know um good food yeah. <laughs> uh you know all, all the five senses so you can you can go through think of that uh so it's basically related to pleasure mm -hmm. you know so that's the hedonic help which is awesome yeah. great i enjoy myself i definitely you know love those um moments of happiness derived from the five senses but they are all temporary they mm. come and go you know there is fleeting only so much chocolate you can have you know <laughs> after a while yeah. i don't know about that <laughs> i've met some people <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can make love to you know your new uh lover but it's it only lasts a while yeah. so I go like, okay we need a break we need to eat we need a shower we need a space yeah. so um it's temporary and uh, eldermonic happiness 
um, is usually related to a highest purpose, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, so it's a, it's a different uh, take um, in terms of happiness. And um, yeah, and, and again, contentment and equanimity, I think they are close, close, closely related. Um, yeah, and equanimity is really, yeah, it's probably my favorite word, my favorite quality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the one that I strive to, to develop, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm. Okay, so equanimity, balance, you obviously being in your corporate role, taking a jump let's let's dive into this sabbatical of yours ah i was going to say we forgot about the sabbatical no, <laughs> okay, cool. excellent let's let's so let's what would you like this. to know because there's so much well, to share yeah so for me i guess the reason why i'm bringing this up is because fundamentally what the inspired evolution podcast is trying to do at the moment um is inspiring people that are change makers or looking to make a change that are looking for meaning which we've just sort of tapped into mm-hmm. um but aren't aren't aware of how or what like they, they can feel the the discontent but they don't really know what to do about it mm. and um, I know that a sabbatical may not be the solution for everyone probably not for everyone because it's mm. such a radical shift mm. but it's such an inspiring shift that you mm. made um, but I'm trying to I guess in- inspire other people to just be aware or tune into their people that have made massive shifts mm. and then how did those shifts come about okay um, so yeah Okay. I really want to explore because I'm aware that you went on the sabbatical and then you came back and mm. it was a completely different life story as of that point for you. Okay. Um, so perhaps whatever you want to share in terms of that vein, in terms of obviously I think we've explored a little bit in terms of what was not congruent before you mm-hmm. before you went and then mm-hmm. having one foot in each yeah. canoe sort of thing mm-hmm. and then the potency of the sabbatical and then what you've come back to. Okay. I guess as you were just describing so was thinking two probably very very short uh, tiny stories worthwhile to to share is uh, the seeds that were planted back you know a while back that led for me to making a decision to take the sabbatical um so very very succinctly um i did my whole university uh working full-time so i used to work full-time as a programmer so i did mm-hmm. a technical course in programming and my whole um, graduation uh, uni in computer science back in Brazil was done at night and I was working full time during the day. So my point is, never really had a student life, yeah, yeah. as such. Lost my father to 17 to cancer. Anyway, so um, I remember I took uh, a, a holiday in Carnival in Rio, you know. Usually I would just, you know, <laughs> travel somewhere. Yeah. So I went to Patagonia one, um, one Carnival um, Patagonia, very south of South America, beautiful, amazing uh, nature, and um, and I met this Swiss boy. He was I was probably mid twenties or late twenties, and he was uh, twenty one. So he finished uni or high school, high school I guess, and uh, decided to travel the world for one year. And he was a farmer, you know, regional Switzerland. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god. I would love to do that. <laughs> I'm so jealous. And I was like, well, I make a lot of, I mean, I make enough money. I could save money and just stop for one year. Yep. So that was my mid-20s to work in, living in Brazil, you know, interacting with him uh, for a number of days. We were doing a tour together through the South Lake in Muni, you know, mm-hmm. driving through the South Lake. Yep. Anyway, so that was seed number one planted about, I'd love to take some time off, you know, and just... Um, 
experience space mm. because my life was no uni work no so busy so ambitious very ambitious um at the time much not so much materialist yeah yeah material ambition at the time as well um so that was seed number one seed number two for the sabbatical was um when in AGL, last last employer, um, after having experienced the, the first redundancy in um, in the previous company, joined AGL, loving my role, loving the culture, massive restructure, new CEO, and my role was in danger. So for one week, I was in that uncertainty space of, am I going to have a new role or not? So in that week, I went like, no way I'm updating my resume to look for another IT job. This is not going to happen. This is really like getting to an end. I really wanted mm. to, to move on. Um, and I decided to, well, if my role is really made redundant by Friday, I'm going to go on the trip. So I started planning. So I printed a world map and I went like, okay, this will be the route. And I was like, yes. And I started to get excited <laughs> yeah, 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 and I checked the money and I checked my points. I had enough points from, you know, consulting and traveling so much with consulting. So I had the, mm. the ticket was free. I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. And then on Friday, my boss come and say, Ned, you got a role. I got a role for you. Shouldn't have added so much value. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. uh, so that was the second kind of seed of nourishing the first seed. Um, yeah, and after that, you know, skilling myself up, you know, teaching and getting feedback from people, and I re realized that well, that's really what I want to do, and what, what's preventing me to to, to do what I want to do. And it was really courage. I was missing courage, you know, and there was a lot of fear of, you know, having a career, a very solid career, very stable, you know, being, you know, uh, contacted by headhunters in a, in a regular, in a regular manner, always changing companies in my own terms and, mm. and having a decent salary and, and then move to this brand new area, you know, in my mid thirties was, it was scary and mm. too uncertain. And I thought, well, the sabbatical, I think will give me space to reflect and uh if i go back to my desk after my after my sabbatical i cannot look myself at the mirror yeah so it was a was a beautiful strategy too did you have that did you have that idea before you went on sabbatical that if you came back to your desk yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you already had that in your head so it was yes. like okay i'm gonna go on sabbatical mm. and if after this one year of change i still land seriously, back here seriously who is this yeah what am i doing yeah yes. yeah right so that was already there yes so the and, idea and, yeah. and sorry and also i think what the sabbatical was giving me a new would be different perspectives so remove and that's probably the key for people who are listening was the opportunity to remove myself from their environment mm. to see different ways of living different possibilities mm. because um just very tiny bracket my last partner who i love to death still very good friends he moved to bali um and um i learned so much from him in terms of there are other models yeah there are other possibilities nine to five i know that's he was an art he's an artist you know graphic designer musician so his reality is completely different and i learned so much from him because my reality has always been nine to five and yeah. i realized well he still eat organic food he still <laughs> go to terra madre and 
our lifestyles are very similar, you know. Yeah. And but uh, he's not stuck in the nine to five. Yeah. So another um, value of the sabbatical was to remove myself from that environment to yeah. have a different perspective. Yeah. yeah, which is really potent. Yeah, just that that awareness that because um, you you take on a lot from your environment at any given time, mm. um, and we're all we spend most of our time at work, so we're not tuned into the alternative reality paradigm. Mm. You know, it's there are so many other people that are living all these alternate lifestyles um and it's it's something that's really foreign and we even see like celebrities or something and it's like you know there's this self that's not for me you know and you don't have to be a celebrity you know um the first time i was introduced to the idea of a sabbatical was via a ted talk this guy gave a ted talk and he um he he mapped out his entire he had mapped out his entire career he was an artist and a creative and he talked about how he would intentionally program after every seven years, he would take one year off and then do another seven years and take one year off. And that accumulated, he would do that five times because he worked it out. And then he was happy to, instead of retiring it in his country, it was 60, he would retire at 65. But he would have taken one year off throughout mm. just to, you know, just... Check, checkpoints. Yeah, you yeah. know. And the way he described it, he'd already had two sabbaticals by this point. And he was acutely aware that if he hadn't taken his sabbatical, mm. he, his, his, art, his art, his creativity would have been stale. Um, the next, it was like the sabbatical was not a time to check out. It was like you just said, it was a time to check in. And he got so much out of that, that that mm. gave birth to his next most amazing venture, which was his trajectory for the next seven years. Mm. And then he would find that the cycle of that, he would be like, oh, the second one, he was like, oh, but I'm doing so well. I really don't want to take the sabbatical. And then he took the time off and went again. And then when he came back, he was like, oh, my God, I can't. I'm so invigorated to start something afresh anew. And it's just this really potent, potent, you know, and it sounds idyllic. It sounds like, oh, I'll take a year off. You know, so many people listening and even myself, like, I'm so like, oh, my God, taking a year off would be so exciting but then obviously there's the do I have the money do I have mm. you know the time or mm. my family and this that and the other and I guess what I see exemplified in your action is courage mm. and I was actually wondering perhaps that perhaps it was the courage to take the sabbatical that came first and then you being on sabbatical coming back you had the courage to not go back to your job but what I've what's just been illuminated is that no 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 it was just the courage to say I'm going to unplug <laughs> from the outset which is huge now well I mean okay let, let's be honest so when I left for the sabbatical and I was very lucky because the company has a career policy so I took the sabbatical but I was still linked to the organization so I wasn't that brave to be mm -hmm. honest I was not because technically I could have just resigned I didn't resign I said mm -hmm. I'm going on a career break so I went back to organization after for a couple of months, did a short contract, and then I finally quit. Um, and just on your point on, on taking one year, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think a I, number of people that recently, I don't know if my attention now is drawn to people who are going on sabbaticals, but a number of people around me are going on sabbaticals in sometimes three months. Maybe that that's all you need. Yep. But I totally agree with the, you know, I like the seven, you know, the seven years, um, sort of um, period because 
uh, yeah, there's a magic around number seven. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, a good number, isn't it? You know, seven days in the week, and then we, yeah. we rest on, technically, I'm supposed to rest on the, the sabado. The, that's, I think, where the word sabbatical comes. In mm -hmm. Portuguese, sabado, Saturday, sabado. And I think it's come from that, you know, sabbatical, having a break, you know, mm. in every cycle. Like, in the Bible, God rested for one day, you know, right. seven, day seven, blah, blah, blah. But um, I guess... Yeah, so what I wanted to say, yeah, courage. Um, there wasn't so much courage that I decided actually to quit. I still had the umbilical cord with the organization, mm -hmm. but I was really telling myself, yeah, if after all of this, you know, you go back to your desk, seriously, no. Yeah. Courage is an interesting one, yeah? Because I've been looking at, I've been trying to sort of, in need of a better way of putting it, mm. let's just say, let's just say there are archetypes, yeah? And then let's just say that there are warrior archetypes, yeah? And the warrior archetype obviously embodies courage, let's just say. Now, what does the modern day warrior look like? I can't even visualize it. So what does modern day courage look like? I can't even visualize it because I don't have like symbol, sim symbology for it. Mm. And this is something that I've noticed is that very rarely do we see courage in action and I, the people that i see exuding courage like yourself um they rarely relate the courage that they took um and perhaps you do embody it um in terms of you do rec recognize it within yourself but i found a lot of people that have the courage to to take take courage they don't readily identify themselves as taking courage they just Oh, I'm just doing mm, mm, you know, I'm mm, just I'm just mm, doing it mm. you know and it's just something feels wrong and I'm just do, like looking for more meaning or I'm just mm. doing what's right and um, yeah do you see what I'm touching yeah, on here? yeah I guess a couple of stories comes to my mind number one is there's a I can remember I was trying actually to share with a friend I met yesterday in Sydney um, a quote from the Dalai Lama I can't remember exactly but it's something around the lines of um, when when there is enough compassion you become fearless is around compassion and being fearless mm -hmm. so it's, it's around um yeah when you're driven by compassion there is no space for fear because there's so much love you know and yeah. and what um you know marianne williamson you know and dr joy Dispenza as well neuroscientist and from what the blip do you know the the documentary around uh, quantum physics they say, you know, there's only space, it's like light and darkness, it's fear and love. Mm. So when there is a lot, enough love, there's no space for fear. It's like one or the other. Um, and um, very personal story, I remember one day my mom, um, in the, we live very close to Maracana, you know, the stadium. Yeah, you were yeah, there? yeah, yeah. Like, famous yeah, stadium, yeah. yeah. So one day in our street, uh, there was a little bit of traffic. We were, I guess, um, just... Um, in the ground level in our street and um, in front of her building and then there was a bit of a road rage yep. and um, the guy came out of the car mm. and actually had a gun pointing up and started arguing with the guy in the front car <laughs> my mom who was inside of the building with me saw that and she just went and kind of started talking to the guy with the gun telling him to calm down Wow. <laughs> and then... Straight into the fire. Yeah, straight into the fire. <laughs> Literally stepped in and and then um, 
people after what was after she he meant she managed to convince him to just calm down put them away and and she was saying don't be silly you know your family needs you please stop what are you doing whatever the word she used people were asking why did you do that why did you put yourself in risk and her answer was like that was the only right that's all i could not see and without mm. doing anything so was she cor- courageous i don't know she, exactly what you're saying i don't think she was thinking i'm being brave here you know uh she was just like this is happening i cannot see and be just the audience for this just to happen i have to do something about it yeah right. so i think it was from a place of you no know, compassion and love and, and you know so I guess, uh, I don't know if that illustrates, but yeah, that's totally, the story that, that totally. comes And I think mind. that's very poetic because yeah. it's kind of like, you know, we're just bystanding in our own lives almost. Mm. And we're not taking the action to just, just go do it. Mm. Just go do it. And for self, maybe many times for self-preservation, you know, it's mm. uh, because coming first, you know, we're wanting to look after ourselves first and, yeah, and there is nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but self-preservation, there's so much self-preservation that's impregnated with fear, but a lot of fear is just false evidence appearing real mm. yeah so much of the fear that we have is just oh i'm af- i'm afraid of but a lot of it's social just social ostracization yeah like mm. i'm doing a podcast on you know leaving the corporate nine to five and it's like oh my my colleagues are not going to approve of this so don't go do it you know mm. stay back c- come back into the herd herd mentality you know herd mind come back don't ruffle feathers don't do that and it's like well no mm. <laughs> you know there's a lot of fear around that but recently i've been discovering that it's important to when you see fear if it's if it's something that seems like it's in need of a better way of putting it fear false evidence appearing real move towards it Mm. unpack it let's see what's going on there take action yeah so action's been a massive one Mm. yeah just taking more and more action Mm. more and more action for fear yeah take action right feel the fear and do it anyway yeah Mm, feel mm. the fear and do it anyway mm. but back to, to your point on the um, you know doing sabbatical every every seven years uh tim ferris you know talk oh, about that a lot a lot you know, and, yeah and yeah why would you and, and wh- when you're talking before i was thinking like it's like it used to be like my i used to do uh, psycho not psychoanalysis yeah i had a psychologist back in brazil and and even here i had therapy for a while and and i was so excited about it because it was like was that one hour in my day where I would be like checking in, you know, yeah. am I living aligned with my values? You know, am I on track with my goals? With For me, it was like my checking in time, you know, when everything stops and it's like one hour fully dedicated to checking in, how am I going? Yeah. And I think the sabbatical is that in a larger scale, it was like, okay, last seven years, yeah. all this stuff happened. Let me stop and reassess, you know, it's a um, stock take. Yeah. You know and then okay do i need to adjust now on track fantastic go back to the world back to your routine or whatever maybe with some new insights and then keep going because the last thing i guess you want to is uh you know the, and that's something that i'm really afraid of uh-huh. <laughs> is to be in my deathbed or you know in some stage late late stage of my life and look back and go like shit what have i done regrets yeah you know? yeah regrets. you know you yeah. know the the top five regrets of the dying yeah the, no oh my god okay tell us uh I, I don't know by heart but there is this book from this um nurse she used to work in um poly with palliative care here sure. in australia yeah uh with people in um in terminal conditions um of course and uh 
after hearing story after story after story, she realized there was a pattern. And she wrote this book, the five, the top five regrets of the dying, which she um, can't remember top of my head, but I think number one was working, you know, working too much. Yep. Number two, not following my passion. Yep. Ta-da. Not spending time with uh, losing contact with my with my friends, huh. and um, yeah, a couple of others that I, I can't recall right now. But um, yeah, that's that's very scary for me, you know, to. Although I, le- I believe in, you know, I have future chances because I believe in reincarnation in other lives, but um, to, because human life is so precious, you know, I feel human life is ultra, ultra precious. So uh, not make use of this time wisely. Um, yeah, it's just not acceptable. That's why checking in is so important, I guess. Yeah. Daily, not just, you know, in a sabbatical, but on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. And yeah. Yeah. So mm. this life is important. Mm. <laughs> so, on that on that note, thank you for sharing so much around the sabbatical. That's yeah, a really um, yeah, it's really inspirational and just to see what it's afforded you and also what it can afford and the potential of it is potent, but also just the meaning behind it and just the whole idea of resetting and clarity. Mm. I think is a big word, clarity. Um, but also the courage that it takes to sort of do that. Um. So now, obviously, well, not knowing you, it's obvious, but um, a lot of, I guess what I really want to talk to you about is uh, the idea of service. Um, because as in my faith as a Sikh, um, one of the cornerstone, I guess, spiritual practices, um, which is integrating spirituality into life, is all about seva, which is service. Um, and for me, it's become this mission now personally, to be of service, um, not just, you know, in, you know, in a spiritual sense, but well, totally in a spiritual sense, but also life, like allowing that spirituality to imbue into life and to be of greater service. And I think that's the vein that the podcast is on as well. Um, a lot of other things that I'm doing in my life, teaching other people meditation. It's a service that I'm trying to provide to just be of service. You know, it's not for me. It's completely let me, it's a complete place of humility to sort of be like, okay, I have something that I, you know, that I've, that I've gotten so much from, you know, it's not even like it's mine. It's just something that's contributed so much to me. Please allow me this to share this with you. Perhaps it may help you on your journey, you know, so you're not even like a guru or a teacher. You're just a a fellow guide. You're on this journey with them. You just happen to have, you know, walked down the street that they want to walk as well. And so you can tell them where they'll find a pitfall sort of thing um and so that's kind of the energy around service for me so what is yeah i really want to just mm-hmm. open service up to you and sort of see what that means to you and or how that's sort of guiding where you are now mm. so what is service what service means to me um i guess I think what what comes <clears throat> I'm probably sidetracking again. No, <laughs> that's okay. Um, but I'll just trust that that somehow will lead me to the answer. So what comes to my mind is um, what we were saying before. <clears throat> so sorry for backtracking a little bit. It's a uh, uh, human, you know, how precious is human life? Exactly. There is this story. One of the first books I read about the Buddhist philosophy from a Rinpoche who brought Buddhism to Brazil. Um, he had this story was my key takeaway from the, the whole book um, 
use this analogy and imagine that you have this, you know, the ocean, the whole ocean in the planet. Um, and um, <clears throat> there is a, a very old turtle living, you know, in, in, the, in the depths of the, the ocean. And um, I can't remember exactly, but it's something like once a year, the turtle comes to the first surface to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard that story? No. <laughs> I love that one. And then imagine there is one bucket, hmm. one bucket floating in the ocean. Yeah. And um, human life, according to the Buddhist you know, uh, teachings, um, is as rare and as precious, as rare as the, possi or the possibility of the turtle when it comes to the surface mm -hmm. to hit the bucket in her, <laughs> her head into the bucket is the same likelihood of us, and this is serious stuff for me, um, access this human body, have access to this human body. And this human experience. This human experience, yeah. Uh, because this human body, this human experience is the only one that actually allows us to move towards enlightenment. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really, really rare and really, really precious. Um, and that's for, I think, um, wisdom like you, it's one of my top, top, top values. Um, so cultivating wisdom um tap into other people's wisdom tap into my own wisdom with, with my meditation practice is so important um yes so can i say what i've discovered mm, is that mm. my wisdom is not mine and i share this completely in the vein of service as well mm -hmm. because what i've come to realize is any wisdom that i'm afforded is brought here to share further you know, for me to sort of sit with the idea that this wisdom is here for me um, doesn't feel right anymore. You know, it's like, oh, cultivating wisdom is important, but then also sharing wisdom has become even more important. You know, it's like, it's, it's almost like I just see it as a flow of energy. You know, mm -hmm. like, okay, so, so I've been afforded this piece of wisdom, but it's definitely, it's come from somewhere. Mm. You know, like wisdom is timeless. And so it's a priority to sort of share that onwards and outwards um, and not sort of sit in and I sort of bring that in just to sort of come back to the vein of service to just bring that, co I guess, service contribution mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, interesting talking about the mind because we did an exercise over the weekend, um, you know, trying to have conversations without using my I mind. <laughs> like, can we put the ego on the side for a while and yeah. try to tell a story without using my I mind? Yeah. Um, me and, and so on. So, um, cool I think, exercise. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess what I was alluding to is, um, um, when I say my wisdom is pretty much the, the learnings, you know, mm. that we have from experience and, and, uh, the lessons learned that the life bring, brings to us. Um, can I just touch on that? Sorry. Yes. There's something I really <laughs> wanted to say is I, I asked you to, to share something like some of your failures with me. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you uh, shared the story of like where you'd hit a failure, you, you had in, um, you had typed in the next little spot in this email that we were sharing um ll dot dot and then you started describing from the failure the uh -huh. lessons that you learned uh -huh. 
And it was just this clear moment where I was like, Oh, oh that's not like, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Oh, but sorry. how much you had already, like, how much that was already a part of your being that, like, failure oh. is already. Oh, oh yeah. but he, like failure is perfect because I, yeah. I learned this from it, and yet failure is perfect because oh, I learned yeah. this from it. Oh. But it was just the way that it was like because the way you typed, it was already like, yeah, this is this is where I had a shortcoming, and this is where boop, and that's sort of where I hit this, and lessons learned. And it wasn't even like the lessons I learned from this were. It was like LL. Bang, I was bang, almost bang. Like, yeah, you know, it was almost <laughs> like I do this all the time, y'all. <laughs> I was uh, sorry, I just had to elaborate on that because yeah. for me that was huge. Yeah, like yeah, I guess. Yeah, maybe actually what comes to my mind is like project managing, you know? Mm. You do a project, you deliver the project, by the end, you know, you have the retrospective, go, okay, what have we learned? You know, mm. what went right, what went wrong, and what we're doing differently next time. So this is very much imprinted in my brain. I have very, probably very strong neural pathways about whatever experience, you know, uh, what did you learn from it? Yep. You know, good and bad relationships, you know, any, anything, you know. You Which have... is interesting that we're talking about this around wisdom because for me that is the subtle difference between wisdom and knowledge. Mm. Because knowledge is, I can read a book and I can obtain the knowledge for sure. Mm. But wisdom is cultivated through the experience of that knowledge. That's my so, belief. Yeah, yeah. My, the, my terminology for, for I mean, because it's so important to clarify, right, what wisdom means to you, to me. Yeah. But for me, wisdom is knowledge applied. Yeah. yeah. So I've knowledge plus experience then that's equal wisdom mm. yeah totally mm. and and if you can get some lessons learned even better <laughs> <laughs> yeah perfect um so i don't think i addressed your question around yeah. service but um mm, maybe we'll get it <laughs> <laughs> well something else that i really wanted to talk to you about today was um just i guess there's yeah especially with the intention of this being the first podcast was humility mm. um yeah, for me, humor and humility are absolutely everything. Um, humor has the ability to, as long as I can laugh at myself, I'll stay humble, <laughs> you know? Um, and in that is where I rest in with humility. Um, it's a weird sort of question to ask you because I tried to think about what I would answer for myself and then I was like, no, maybe I'll just unpack it with you. Um, but what does humility mean to you? What is humility? <laughs> I think well, what managing, place? probably managing, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is managing your ego. You know, it's um, because I believe without segregating ourselves too much, but doing so, it's uh, our higher self is very humble. You know, our higher self, it's, it's, it's unconditional love, it's selfless, it's, it's one, with, one with everything else. So, the, so, I think I like to use the contrast. So, what would be the what would you say is the opposite of humble? Would be arrogant or proud? Yeah. What would be the maybe arrogant, arrogant, probably, arrogant. Yeah. arrogant? So, in the higher self, there is no space for pride or arrogance, um, uh, arrogancy or arrogance. Arrogance. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, as long. So sorry, your question was uh, your definition of humility. Not def- yeah. What whatever. 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 Yes. I guess humility would be um, yeah managing the ego because yeah the opposite of humility is definitely comes from the ego so managing managing the ego is um is the path for humility i guess for me and why is that so important to you uh, because the ego is an illusion <laughs> 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 and i want to leave a line with truth because uh, that's the best place to be um that's where the magic happens um it's funny because humility is not in my top seven values. Um, I don't know if that's because it's something that it's um, 
maybe so innate. Maybe quite natural, perhaps. Yes, so innate. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe not. Um, but it's not like in my radar a big time. It's funny because I'm totally sidetracking. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> um, apologize. It used to be like health, as you know, health um, used to be up there. And after my sabbatical, actually uh, swapped with. Um, so health is still top three, but faith, um, trust, and faith in myself and the higher the higher power is actually up there and um and i realized that yeah, actually that's more important than and health i was always referring more to physical emotional health um so i realized that actually faith is even more important for me right now these days because you know but they're a bit flow can be a bit fluid i would almost argue that faith has humility mm, embedded embed, embedded okay. into it possibly you know because <laughs> for me the whole idea of faith in, is for faith in something greater mm. um, or even faith in your own greatness. Perhaps some people like to look at it that way. Oh, true. You know, mm. um, but that means that, again, that that something else is greater than um, you. Yeah. Therefore. You know, or my great like my greatness or whatever that may be for whoever. Mm. Some people don't like externalizing it. Um, but yeah, that, mm. that that's so much humility in that mm. faith. Um mm. For me, it always comes back to looking at nature and just being like, you know, just the humility that I don't mm. know. How did I know that this tree was going to breathe mm. out what I was going to breathe in and I was going to, mm. you know, it was going to be mm. this reciprocal, like, mm -hmm. there's something going on here, mm. you know, and that immediately evokes. Mm -hmm. No, we don't, we don't know everything. And then I guess yeah. maybe my relationships with my teachers, I guess, is a bit of an expression or of that humility of, uh, yeah, absolutely knowing that I know very little and... Uh, and uh, allow myself to be guided, you know, when years ago, if, if you told me that I would have a guru, I would go like, are you, I would have a laugh, you know, it's like no one in this planet. Me or the net standing behind me? Or? <laughs> you know, why I would, you know, revere or, or pay homage or, or you know, um, have any special relationship with, with another human being, you know, if everyone mm. is incarnated in this planet, they are kind of in the same level as I am. Yeah, yeah. And, um Although I had no teachers that I respect so much, like Pramana, Goenka, you know, really enlightened beings that I, I learned so much. But uh, uh, after meeting Alma and seeing her in action year after, no, no, year after year, but day after day, you know, hugging 20,000 people a night. The compassion. With so much love <laughs> yeah. and, and, and presence and, you know, tirelessness, tireless, 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 yeah. Yeah. tireless, tireless uh, manner. Um, without eating, sleeping, peeing, you know, for yeah. hours and hours, day after day, in her mid-60s, you know. So that for me was unconditional love in action. Um, yeah, so that's having the, um, having such teachers, I guess, yeah, definitely helps me with uh, cultivating humility or, yeah, developing that, that quality, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and it is something that is ever present on a on a spiritual path, isn't it? Mm. Humility, mm. yeah. Like everywhere I've sort of, I guess, just looked, and I've come to now realize that wherever there's humility, or wherever if if humility doesn't grant me access, then it's not somewhere where I want to go. Mm. Actually, mm. so if I can remain humble and still like, and that allows me to be myself, then that's actually the perfect place. And I've noticed that that's what a lot of the um especially in India, a lot of the, you know, not that they can be closed off, but it's fundamentally just remain humble. You know, there's a prerequisite that please remain humble. 
you know, mm. and then everything was fine, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. In, in terms of a, on a spiritual journey, when you mm. go and meet someone on a spiritual yantra, like wherever you meet them, it's immediately humility is just what is being exuded. And, 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 and to be receptive as well, because the, the relationship teacher and student, you know, and, and also have that the beginner's mind, you know, yeah. quality of... Uh, Edo Portal yeah. talks a lot about Yeah, it. <laughs> so I don't know everything, you know, and see things as with fresh eyes and and listen, you know, um, be really present to listen and uh, come from a place of openness. Yeah, mm. yeah so I think there's humility in there, yeah. Beautiful. Mm. So glad we got to talk about that. This is awesome. Um, so, how are we tracking with time? You cool? Yeah, we're cool. Okay. We're cool. Okay. Um, but we are slowly, slowly getting there. So, just um, I guess now I just want to sort of now that you've sort of 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 had a look at you know where you've where you've come from, where like you know the role the sabbatical played. You know, I know yoga played a big part in all of that as well, for sure. You know, um, just knowing who you are and mm. I guess the way I see it, yoga is perhaps your initial practice with your connection to self, would you say? Um, I did play for a number of things before, uh, but yeah, I still remember my very first class in yoga in the workplace back in Brazil. Um, it definitely helped me to, to get into, to manage anxiety, to you know, to develop that um, sense of um, of peace and um, manage stress, working in a mm. very competitive, high pressure, demanding environment. Even back then, you know, in, in um, I don't know, 2010 or something, or actually 2004. Yeah, I moved to Australia in 2006, so I started yoga a few years before. So yeah, even back then, was very uh, crucial in my path. But um, yeah, I had I grew up as a Catholic, so I had very kind of strong Christian base. My mom is obsessed about, not obsessed about Jesus, but it's big. Mm-hmm. Have a massive faith in Jesus, which I used to be very jealous. It's because, massive in Brazil, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, she has a beautiful faith, um, and my faith was developed really in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, mm. more strongly. But uh, yeah, yoga played a, a massive role yeah, mm. in my path. Yeah, definitely. So couple of last questions if you had advice to give to your 20 year old self mm. what would Nat be saying to little Nat <laughs> I wouldn't do anything different I guess but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I would do exactly every, every step I've done brilliant um, wouldn't brilliant. change any, any any step at all but um advice in my 20s where was I in my 20s let me see uh, Big advice I'll give to myself. Hmm. I think that what comes is you now trust yourself, listen to your heart, the, the often cliche stuff. But I guess, um, and at the time I didn't used to do that as much. But I really believe that uh, things happen in a funny way. There is one saying in, in Brazil, port, in Brazilian Portuguese, that is, um, it says, Deus escreve certo por linhas tortas. Nice. <laughs> Which means that um, God God writes beautifully in uneven lines. Uh-huh. So it's about I think it doesn't doesn't sound great translating literally, but I guess the idea is um, 
things happening very weird mysterious ways, mysterious ways. ways yeah. yeah so even even i because i studied music before i did my computer programming course i yeah. was studying music i had a band when i was yeah, 16 right. i was like playing bass and i like yes. learned how to write and read music and i really wanted to study music and my mom was like you gotta do something that is a little bit more <laughs> Grounded. likely you know employability yeah. and consider employability and stuff because yeah. we were not a very you know super wealthy family so uh i went through this path you know in it world and in did all this career and then, but then i really see that maybe maybe part of my mission is to bring mindfulness especially to that IT industry because I like you speak to very good language in the construction environment I understand where people in IT are coming from so uh, in mysterious ways maybe that was my path you know maybe mm. I wouldn't have learned everything uh, you know the lessons I did learn if things had been different um, even though with sickness of my dad in early stage yeah. so I guess without without being too cliche I guess um, something that I actually learned in my discussing my um, teacher training is that really see our challenges and our traumas as a gift okay what's totally. the gift you know what's the gift that this experience in your life gave to you you know i became ultra responsible ultra mature quite early yeah you know and that maybe was my gift you know through the, the challenge that i faced i totally agree and i've come to learn exactly what you're saying is that your your greatest challenges are giving birth to your next tidal wave of opportunities success you know expression um and for me it's massive that we're talking about this because um this is kind of the space the podcast comes from you mm -hmm. know like just i know that people work nine to five and they're looking for more meaning but i work six to six yeah mm. so i work that little bit more so i'm that little bit more challenged and so that's giving that little bit more of the pressure so a little bit more challenged to make enough change to sort of look at something differently and from that space it gives me the opportunity to sort of bring shift awareness you know mm. um, and i'm acutely aware of that i've been rubbed up just that little bit rougher than most of the other people mm. you know so it's like i work six to six so i'm expecting to work six days a week six to six that's a big haul so you know let's let's discuss alternate paradigm stuff it's mm. more passionate it's closer to me than it is the guy that perhaps works nine to five looking for meaning and so i'm more willing to make that change but i've been challenged because of it and so exactly in that same vein where it's your biggest challenge that's giving you mm. your next biggest it's shift. really be uh, there is a, a i don't know if it's actually popular in, in australia but there is a, a book that often we 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 ask to read in brazil it's called poliana and poliana. it's poliana it's a story of this girl you know she experienced living the war zone for a while in world war ii i guess and she's over optimistic you know super lining <laughs> yeah. everything super lining everything and yeah. sometimes i'm like i'm so funny i can be very annoying for certain people but i go like well i can choose to do this or i can choose to be like whinging and yeah you know and that's what i choose to do you know to, to be poliana and kind of working for me well that's yeah. exactly what you said before right <laughs> it's your internal like you can't control what happens to you mm. but what you can control entirely how you mm. react so mm. Pollyanna seems very fitting mm. I think that'll lead me to my last question which I know is going to be a tough one for you okay <laughs> bring it on one book oh <laughs> <laughs> one book <laughs> Okay, what's a purpose? Because no, 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 no
the listeners want to hear, or Amrit wants to hear. Okay. <laughs> one book, Matt. Wow, the first, actually, the one that comes to mind right now because it's quite fresh, I think it's A Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles, yeah. Marianne Williamson. Um, Very fitting, yeah. Uh, actually, Marianne Williamson, she wrote that Return to Love, which is it's a tiny little glimpse inspired by A Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. A Course in Miracles was downloaded by this um, man and a woman, uh, I don't know how many years ago, I think actually 76 it was written when i was born and um um yeah i think that that's the one that comes to my mind but i'm sure that no 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 that's <laughs> it you said it um what i like um well i've been because as i mentioned i grew as a grow up as a, as a catholic but i don't really have a, a close relationship to jesus and i always wanted to learn more about him understand more and i'm very more aligned with the Buddhist philosophy, mm-hmm. but I have these. Um, um, I was quite eager to understand more and know Jesus, and I, I totally buy into his teachings, but I didn't have a close relationship enough with uh, who he was and stuff. And I heard that A Course in Miracles is a kind of a modern uh, take on the Bible. It's got a lot of Christian and a lot of Christian concepts yeah. and so on, and even some parts of the book that um, refers to as if he was uh, talking actually in the first person. Um, but what I loved about the book in, in the very first chapters, it says in some stage, this book is about mind training. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> yes, it's the bridge. Perfect. So, um, yeah, Perfect. It's, a, it's a book that I recommend just for if anyone look it up. There is a, the, the classical edition has um, what they call the textbook. There is the manual for teachers and there mm. is the 365 lessons very simple lessons that you're supposed to have one a day and mm-hmm. practice very very practical lessons and that those 365 lessons are definitely about mind training yeah awesome yeah awesome mm. so i guess this podcast has been about nat obviously natalie <laughs> hendrix look up zen high achiever if you get the chance amazing amazing work mm. and i guess we're all about bridging and integrating spirituality into mindfulness, into your mind and daily practice, and really embodying that into action and living a more meaningful, more aware, more peace-centered, more heart-centered life. Thank you so much, Nat. Thank oh, you, thank you, thank, thank you. you for blessing and gracing your presence on the first so podcast. Proud of you, mate. So oh proud man, of you. so so blessed to be on this journey and um, yeah, they, like like I said, the first podcast was always always forever going to be you and. Thank you for your presence and time here today and the listeners really appreciate it too. Bless you. You! <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.